the writing on a wall was the summer of 2008 when I knew like this thing is not going to go here. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now on to today's episode. Manny Romero has been in the real estate game since 2004 and experienced an incredible amount of success from 2004 to 2007. He and I first met when we were both selling real estate investing education in Phoenix, Arizona back in 2007. He was a mentor of mine and became a good friend during this time. If you remember, Phoenix was one of the cities that had a massive recession in the 2008-2009 housing crisis slash global recession. Both him and I lived through that time and it gave us both a massive blow to our business. Myself was knocked completely off my feet and went broke. Manny was a bit more experienced and managed pretty well, but also suffered a huge blow to his business income and lifestyle. At this time, Manny partnered with his current partner, Marty Boardman, and started to build a new fix and flip business, which is now called Fix and Flip Hub. Now, they have a thriving, successful real estate business that operates in both Arizona and Wisconsin. Manny personally has raised over $2 million in private capital to fund his real estate ventures. Manny and Marty have a passion for mentoring and teaching others about investing in real estate. Fix and Flip Hubs features videos from homes they repair on their social media channels to teach and promote. They also offer seminars and online training to teach others how to fix and flip. Manny, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be here with you, my friend. It's an honor to have you, buddy. It's good to uh, talk to you again. And you're calling in from Arizona today? Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona, here at my home office. All right, very cool. So, Manny, I know a lot about you, and I'm pretty impressed with the type of individual you are, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. But I'd, I'd, I'd like you to tell the listeners a bit of your backstory so they can get to know who you are and where you come from and how you became the entrepreneur today. So can we start there? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, it goes back to I'm originally from Pasadena, California. So I was born and raised there, and uh, – I'm back in 2001. I moved to Phoenix, um, and you know the re- what ended up getting me here to Phoenix. Uh, let me rewind here. So I kind of did pretty much the traditional thing where, hey, you know, you you went to school and got a good career, and uh, at that time I was working as an outside sales rep for a company called Dun Edwards Paints. Uh, we supplied paint to pretty much uh, my role as an outside sales rep was a commercial commercial uh, part of that industry. Uh, where we painted big, uh, they use our paints to paint uh, industrial buildings and uh, big projects like that. And uh, in 2001, uh, Phoenix was experiencing a building boom, and uh, they were looking for bilingual sales reps. Uh, my background, you know, I am Mexican American, so I speak Spanish fluently. And I just decided at that time I was looking for a change and I wanted to do something different. So I threw my, you know, my hat in the ring there and say, Hey, look, I, I'm interested in, uh, in moving to Phoenix. The way I thought was like, Hey, I'll give it, give it a year, maybe two. And if it works out great, and if it doesn't, then I come back. Uh, the positive there was I was already working for a company. It was established, uh, salary wise. It was pretty much a, a straightforward crossover, which meant actually it was like an increase because the cost of living here in Arizona was a lot less expensive than in California, especially the LA area. And yeah, so I started, 
working here and uh, build up a territory, worked hard. And, and at some point, you know, the, you know, I guess the, the light started switching on for me in a sense that although I was making great money, it just wasn't, um, what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I was working good 60, 70 hours a week. And, uh, I looked at senior sales reps where they were headed and that the one glaring, uh, Ob- obvious indication there that for me that it wasn't what I want to do the rest of my life is that two things these these sales reps all shared was number one their health was poor and number two they really didn't have a good relationship with their with their kids and their family and I knew myself was like like I I'm I'm not going to be that person that's going to be unhealthy and I definitely want to be that type of person that spends time with my kids and so. Uh, at that point is when I started looking into other areas where I can venture out and be an entrepreneur. And, and it wasn't a, a process of day and night. It took me probably a good two, three years to really, uh, I'd say about two years, to really kind of explore options. I explored franchises. And it was always, you know, the way I ended up doing real estate was it was under my nose the whole time. Um, I dealt with contractors already that were – that were fixing up houses and in that in that moment I start talking with them and I say hey if these guys can do it I can do it and that's how my path started into real estate very cool and so that was around 2002 or 2004 2004 uh, so yeah so I think in, in 2002 is where I started kind of making the inquiries as far as like which way do I want to go I started meeting people that were fixing and flipping homes and and I went down that path of like where do I get information you know and uh, I I attended like the weekend boot camps on how to do it seminars and really Chris the book I mean the the thing that sparked it for me was uh reading the book uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad that's what really right there reinforced it for me because I was already had those feelings of like I need to do something more in my life I need to do something different and when I read the book it started to really create a uh, a more clear path to like exactly how I was going to do it. Um, and so I started dabbling in it probably in the middle of 2003. And by 2004, I, I started doing it full time. And that was a hot time to be in real estate in, in Phoenix. Could you tell the audience and kind of set up the scenario of what it was like? Because that was when the market was increasing yeah. I don't know by what percentage every year, Manny. 25, 50% a year. Like you go buy a property and, uh, you know, you, all you had to do is sit on it for two, three months and not do anything to it and then sell it and make money. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, it was a perfect storm. You know, the way I got into it, um, I mean, I learned strategies on how to acquire real estate creatively in a sense that if somebody was in financial ruin, how to get in. And, and acquire the property. Um, the perfect storm was that as properties were increasing, it was almost like you, you couldn't fail. Um, and unfortunately, it was like that for a lot of other people. So it started attracting a lot of other people that really had no experience in the real estate market that were starting to get into the fixing and flipping because you can buy a home and literally make the most minor improvements on it and sit on it for about three months and then profit 20, 30, 40,000 on a deal. Uh, it was so easy, you know, like it was like, 
I told people, like, looking back, at that time, I thought, like, man, I'm a player, like, oh, I'm <laughs> thing. like, I'm making some good money. Uh, but in the reality, it, it, I look back at the skills, there re- I wasn't really employing any skills to it. It was just all, it was all by luck. It was, it was just, you know, uh, the appreciation play. And unfortunately, we know what happened, you know, once that, that party stopped, um, then that's when the chips started to fall. You know, there were people who were getting hurt left and right. Um, it, it was a crazy straight across the board on all aspects of the industry, Chris. There was all of a sudden an influx of real estate agents getting into the market. All these loan people. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a movie, right? The Big Short. How like yeah, these people who were who are one day working at Foot Locker and now they're loan loan process <laughs> making a you know crap load of money, and so it was everybody was doing it. It was just part of like almost like the industry and we didn't know any better we just kind of you know the, the what what stood me uh, out from other people at that time was i had already gained a little bit of experience before the boom really started to boom that i could have multiple properties going on at the same time mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of how how my path started really it's just kind of like i learned it i took i took the you know i guess I don't want to say it on here, but like I just had the cojones to just do it, mm-hmm. and then did it. It just so happened that about a good, you know, good year is when you know a year is when a year six months to a year later is when this boom started happening, and I was just at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you and I met in two thousand late two thousand six and early two thousand seven, and we were yeah. part of a network marketing company that was that was selling real estate investing education. And this company too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we can say the name Nuva Riche was um, also profiting on the the inflation the, yeah. and the bubble that was ex- the United States was experiencing. Mm-hmm. We were doing all right for the first couple years. Well, I would you know we did all right for two thousand seven and two thousand eight, and I think was it October two thousand eight when everything came crashing down? Yeah, yeah for me, yes, it was. Uh, I can say I can literally say that. Uh, the writing on a wall was the summer of 2008 when I knew like this thing is not gonna go here. <laughs> what did things, you go ahead? Were, uh, things were starting to happen that were like you know things were taking longer to happen. Yeah, where I'm like uh oh, <laughs> I've never had this happen before. Uh, people getting loans, you know, funding loans was taking longer. Selling a home was taking longer. Uh, Lines of credit, equity lines of credit were reducing. Even me personally, like my credit card, I mean, I had these obscene amount of credit card limits. I, I never I never hiked them up, but I used them uh, strategically for my projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went from having a line of credit with American Express uh, from an $80,000 line of credit. All of a sudden, uh, you know, in one month, they're like, oh, it's 40000 And then a month later, uh, we got to reduce that to thirty now. <laughs> And then we now I like, uh, yeah, it's down to five, and I'm like, well, at five, I'm maxed out now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I knew like something's happening here. Like this is not, you know, you know, this is wonder why all this is happening. And and yeah, that was really the beginning when I started noticing the credit lines starting to disappear. I think the banks were starting to get savvy or they were realizing like, uh oh, something's going on here. This ain't this ain't good. I remember like 2006 and 2007, I would get 
blank checks in the mail from the banks, from Bank of America, and it would say, um, you you can loan up to $10,000 with us. All you have to do is fill this check out, come sign it in, and we'll cash and give you yeah. the $10,000. Yeah. And a lot of people were using that for the real estate funding, and, mm-hmm. and it worked for a lot of them until you know it all kind of came crashing down. The party stopped. Like, yeah. Uh, like Marty has a saying, the music stopped and we didn't have a chair to sit on. <laughs> this is true. Nobody <laughs> did. <laughs> well, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, it's just, it was part of the process, man. Like, you know, it's just, uh, um, in that, in that time, uh, you know, even banks were loaning 110, 120% of value, you know, it was, it was unheard of, you know? So if somebody who was fixing and flipping a home, uh, you know, harm when the lenders were loaning like that. Like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll loan you 110% of after repair value. So that meant literally you can get a house and then have some, uh, uh, have some rehab money. But the problem is, is that a lot of those people were using that money to go buy that big boat, mm-hmm. you know, that expensive car. And then because, because I kept thinking, oh, it's going to keep going up. Like in three months, I'll, it'll appreciate and I'll, and I'll cash in more there. They were banking on this appreciation or this, or this phantom profit profit amount. They were banking on it so they can pay all those creditors back. And then when it, when it's, when it basically started a turn, then they, they left, they got left with, with uh, holding the bag. And I, I think I'd like to add, like I was in the mortgage business. I wasn't working at Foot Locker, but mm-hmm. I, I was in the mortgage business after I finished uh, grad school and I spent a year and nine months there. And to put it in perspective, um, I didn't really know any better what mm-hmm. was going on. And basically, we would have a client come in and we would do a lot of hard money loans. And we would have a client come in that had a home and bought it 10 years ago. It increased, it had doubled or maybe even 150% times the value. So they had an incredible amount of equity in their home. And we could do these loans that were called ninja loans, no income and no jobs. And they didn't have to, we didn't have to check how much income they had. We didn't have to check if they had a job. We just had to fill out the paperwork and fax it to Wall Street. And then mm-hmm. Wall Street would fax us something back, said, oh, yep, you're for, this person's approved for a loan. Let's pull out $50,000 in equity in their home. And then we would have clients come back six months later and want to pull more equity out because they had spent all that money already. They went to Vegas and, and had a party and, and went on vacation. And for me as a first time newbie in this business, I was like, Oh, this is just normal. And then things started changing, you know, and it all started crashing down, Yeah, (laughs) which was funny to see now that you look back on it and pretty obvious. I mean, hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and people were basically using their homes as a as a credit card. Yeah, you know, in the mindset they're so detached from it. You know, I tell people, you realize you got to pay that back, right? Yeah. And some people really didn't couldn't make that connection. They they thought it was like like I remember my my uh, my sister in law back then. You know, she was like wanting to refire her house. I'm like, why? He says, well, because I have like, you know, 60,000 there that I, that I can use. I'm like, for what? And like, and she, you know, of course I knew her, like what she wanted to do with it. I'm like, you do realize that you pay that back. It's not like a lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people who aren't wealth conscious, that's the way they treated it. You know, yeah. they, they thought, you know, you know, the correct thing to do if they were wealth conscious, mind, you know, minded is that they would have took that 
which is something that I did and I still got hurt, is you take that you take that money instead of buying things that's going to depreciate like the boat and the, the cars and, and you know the, the weekend or the vacations is you buy an asset, you buy another property with it where you know you, you, you use that money to make you money. Um, and we all knew like I mean the one thing I can say I tell people like you know if you run across people that say oh you know oh yeah the housing boom I knew I got out just in time I knew it was coming and I and I and I and I basically didn't lose any money I go they're full of crap I go there's no one if you were involved in this business at one shape form or another you lost money that's just you lost something and for those of you that say they didn't that they timed it right they were either they're full of crap they're lying or they just weren't playing and they say they were playing in it because if you were playing in it you got hurt yeah that's the way it is and uh and so i guess the you know the point i was trying to make is that those uh you know those people they didn't have that wealth mindset so they were just basically doing what everybody else was doing what the masses were doing yeah well hey my cousin did it and like and they did it and then and then all of a sudden now you know, someone who me who was doing it responsibly, I'm buying homes with that money, and now all of a sudden the property values start going down, and now like now I'm really in trouble. I'm really in trouble because now the houses that I bought, I bought wrong. I bought them at the peak because I thought they were gonna keep going up, so those are losing value. And then of course I got my lines, of, my equity lines of credit over here, barking down my like that, hey, what's going on with this money? And that's the domino effect. So that's why I say even the people that were savvy that did it from a business standpoint still got hurt. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, the the more the big banks do really well at having the lingo and the verbiage mm-hmm. so confusing to the common person to where they read their documents. They have three days to go home and read their documents after they sign for a mortgage to rescind. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when they go home and read it, they don't understand what they're reading. It might as well be reading Mandarin or, or you know, another language because it's so confusing to them. Yeah. And that was kind of the point of the movie, The Big Short, because at the end of the movie, they they said, well, the big banks are just doing the exact same thing. They were doing it, you know, in the late 2000s. Yeah. Uh, they just reworded it, <laughs> and, yeah. and and they're getting away with it again. Yeah, yeah, it's in a in a different way. But you're right. It's like people are so detached from their money. You know, I think that you know when it comes to money, people have to take an extra step to educate themselves. And really, Chris, there's no excuse right now with with information at our fingertips. It's just laziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, you know, and I'm, I'm not just, I don't want to make a blanket statement. I mean, there's just a lot of people out there that just don't want, they want what's easiest. And, you know, unfortunately, you mix easy with money, and that's a recipe for disaster. You know, everyone's, everyone's looking for, you know, I have one of my mentors say, you know, tell me, like, you know, in order to create wealth, you have to go through a process, mm-hmm. right? You to go through this process. There's no way around the process and he used to diagram it on a piece of paper which kind of visually made sense for me and i goes you're over here on this side and in the process was kind of like like this river right Mm -hmm. process you're over here on this side of the river and being a millionaire is on the other side of the river well you have to go to the river that which is the process in order to get over here to the other side Mm -hmm. fortunately that process is very difficult a lot of people get into that process which is that river and they get halfway through and they come back out. 
you know, some people stick their toe in, oh, this is too hard, and they get back out. Uh, but, you know, what, you have to go through that, the trials and tribulations of that river crossing, that, that process there to get here to know exactly what to do and what not to do. It's, it's that adversity, like going through failures. Um, and this is why you get these professional athletes that get put from this side of the river. They just get plucked out there and then get put on the other side, and they end up losing it. Or the lottery winners mm -hmm. will end up back on the other side because they never went through that process. And so back in this time, you had all of a sudden these people who had this lottery ticket mentality, like, oh, my God, I got this money. My house is worth this much. I can pull $50,000 out and go buy my, my dream RV. Mm -hmm. Not, but you owe it. Like, you got to pay that back. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you sell your house in the future, you know, you got to, you know, your house, is, you know, they kept thinking that their house was going to go up. And when it didn't, now they're like, I got this RV. I can't afford the payments on it. Or now I got to sell it. Because I got to, you know, I can't afford the house payment no more. Now my house is worth less, and and that was exactly the they didn't know how to deal with that. So it's exactly why they went back on the other side of the stream. And they got placed, plucked from this side into this side, and that's not. I tell people that's not creating wealth. That's just creating money, right? There's a difference between making money and and creating wealth. I go, anyone can make money. However, it's learning how to keep it. That's the the, the key, and that's. That's what I learned from all this mess was that I know how to make money. However, in that process, I learned how to keep it now. <laughs> I learned how to create wealth now. <laughs> so I know you and I both hit a, had a pretty hard blow from, from that recession. Tell the listeners a bit uh, about how you stayed headstrong and how you pulled out of that as an entrepreneur. Mm. Well, here, back in late 2008, early 2009, there was nothing going on in the real estate market at all. Like, everyone was scared. We didn't know what to do. Like, you know, you know, they're scared to pull a trigger. Who's going to do what? Is it going to get worse? And I had to do what I had to do back then. And I, took, I remember I took a, a job. Uh, it wasn't even a job. It was more of a um, a friend of mine had a company where we were going, we were traveling nationwide, uh, buying up. Precious metals like scrap gold, silver, collectibles, because that's what people were doing. They're were, they were like they're they were hurt for money, so they were selling stuff. But I was one of those guys that was buying that stuff from them. Um, but in the back of my mind, I knew, you know, reading like books like Rich Dad Poor Dad, like the, it, you know, it's 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 in real estate. Like you know, it, it's so, it's a something happened here, but it's gonna it's gonna get back on on track. So real estate's always been in the back of my mind. Plus, I knew the business, Chris. It was kind of mm -hmm. like at some point now, since 2004, I've been doing this full time. It's now 2009. It's like I got this, you know, four or five years of experience under my belt now that like I can't just give that up. Um, something's got to give. And so that's how Marty and I got connected. Like, you know, Marty and I would basically when I would come back from these trips, we'd kind of you know go have a drink of beer and talk about like, hey, what's going on? Like, hey, you know, I have. Have you heard anything that's happening out there? Or who's doing what? And Marty say, "Hey, look, I'm, I'm right now working with this investor. He's starting to buy homes in the fringes of Phoenix, and uh, I'm like his project manager and realtor for him because we're, you know, we're licensed." And I'm like, "Okay, well, you know," and and then I'd come back a month later. Man, this guy is buying a lot of properties at the auction, and uh, he's starting to he's starting to really do you know, really good with this. I'm like, well, what's stopping you from doing that? I told Marty. And Marty's like, well, I just need capital. I said, well, hey, if I can raise some capital, 
you know, what's to say we can't do this? And he goes, absolutely. And and that's how I started. I started raising capital, and we basically took, Chris, we took somebody's formula that they were already doing and it was having success, and we carbon copied it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to say, like, oh, man, you're successful. You're doing what you're doing. I said, look, I'm, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I didn't, I didn't invent this. I go, I just carbon copy what people are doing that are succeeding and just make it my own. Maybe change a couple little things to give it my personal touch, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. And so what this person was doing back then, he was buying properties way out like in Queen Creek, Buckeye, which if you guys aren't familiar with the area, they're way on the outskirts of of, of the Phoenix metropolitan area. You're, you know, you're talking from central Phoenix. Each direction is a good 45 minute to an hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and those areas back in the day was all farmland. It's the, it used to be old farmland that farmers sold their land, and all of a sudden these big track homes went in and started buying, you know, building all these homes for people. And so it's still, at, even though there's homes on that area, the area was classified as farm area. So which, in essence, what that meant was that if you had a home loan, you can qualify for what was called a USDA home loan. Mm -hmm. When no banks were loaning money, this was a a federal-funded program. When no banks were loaning money, we can get a USDA loan. And so the strategy there, what what he found out, this this other investor, is like, look, I got to go to the areas where there's the most pool of buyers. And right now, the most pool of buyers are federally funded programs. So that's where he would go do deals. And that's where the light turned off. Us. It's like, where can we go to areas that have the most buyers that can buy right now? And that's that's how we got started in the middle of 2009. We started doing the same thing he did. We were buying homes in Buckeye, Surprise, Goodyear, all these areas that were we were looking at like what are what are what are USDA zoned areas? So we you know we, we got into you know we got into contact with uh, you know these loan officers that dealt with the USDA products. What are the boundaries? And we knew like okay, well here's the areas where we got to buy homes because we know we can sell them. And that's how we started, Chris. Like you know at that point is like we knew that like this we hit a you know the market crash. However, it can't stay down forever. Right. We knew, and so with every uh, you know, with every uh, catastrophe, there's an opportunity. So there's, I remember back then, I was telling people, guys, right now, the bottom, it was like late 2009, early 2010, the, the, the bottom, it, it rocked bottom. And I kept telling people, buy a home, buy a home, because you can't get them cheaper. And mm-hmm. people were afraid. They were so scared because of what just happened. Yeah. And if you remember, Obama had that whole tax credit, first-time home buyer, that you get an $8,000 tax credit. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so he was injecting that. So it was like a false mark. It was kind of like a artificial market. But guess what? I was there to capitalize on that opportunity. Nice. Right? Those are things that, as in my industry, that we look for. They're like, okay, well, here, like, if I if I get homes and, and, and buy them in these areas, they're, they qualify for that tax credit. Were right. you ever timid, timid or afraid to get back into the real estate game since since all of this had happened? I I wouldn't say I was afraid. I was cautious. Yeah. Right, because I I knew like definitely that appreciation. I got to be careful. There was a lot of red flags, Chris, that that I saw before that crash that I ignored. Where now I'm like, uh, I can't ignore those flags. So I was more cautious. I wasn't scared because I knew that 
you know, a lot of a lot of people throughout time has has created their wealth in real estate. You know, it wasn't going to stop. It was just more how could I position myself to capitalize on what's going on in the market right now. Right. And and, and so unfortunately, while a ton of people were getting foreclosed on because we talk about those people who overextended themselves, well, those people started getting foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. And they were they were auctioning off their properties on the auction, and I was right there buying them. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So let's let's fast forward to today, and now you guys are running Fix and Flip Hub, where you guys are buying these properties both in Arizona and in Wisconsin, and fixing them up and flipping them. But also, mm-hmm. you're doing something really cool is you're incorporating almost a reality show where you you guys video and and yeah. you add to your social media accounts the progress from buying these homes and saying exactly the amounts you're investing in them, how much it costs to rehab them, how much, what you're getting when you're selling them. And, um, so I'd like to know, you know, I understand why you guys are uh, doing the fix and flips these days and why you like them. Um, so why did you decide to incorporate the, the video and social media side of it? It's, it's awesome that you're bringing this up because at the end of the day, even when we're, we were fixing and flipping homes. Marty and I always had this vision that we wanted to teach. We have a passion for teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've always said, like, hey, once we get to our monetary goals, I'd like to mentor and teach people this, right? It was always in the back of our mind. Like, when we get this, we'll do that, right? And so in our process, the last, you know, since 2009 this way, I've always gotten people that come up, hey, will you mentor me? Will you teach me? Well, the reality, Chris, is like, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't have time. Um, yet I see a lot of these uh, companies that come in and, you know, pitch. Hey, learn, take my program, learn how to do this. No money out of your pocket. Um, those programs, in my opinion, are flawed. They're an upsell model. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, they prey on people's dreams. I'm not naming names. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and to be to in in. in Reality, Chris, is like the information, what, what we do fixing and flipping houses isn't rocket science. I mean, yes, there's an education element to it. There's just things that you need to know how to do. However, that education isn't worth 50, 60, 80, 100 grand. It's not, there's just no way, it's not worth that kind of money, in my opinion. You know, that's just opinion. And unfortunately, you got a lot of people that come in and sell, you know, they're, they're selling the dream and people are are forking out dollars over this dream. And then of course they're not putting it to use. Um, um, they're not like, you know, they get the information, but they don't know how to put it to use. And then of course, if you want to learn how to put it to use, then they sell you on coaching. And that's another three, four, five, six thousand more. So <laughs> it, never, it never stops. It's always, it's an upsell. They dangle the carrot and they keep getting you and getting you. And, uh, and Marty and I is like, we just kind of, you know, we, we, you know, we're like you and I were involved in that, you know, in the in that real estate company, the network marketing company, and and I, I'll be honest, like not because I I was involved with it, it was a great company as far as uh, the education went, what they offered. Yeah. Ever looking back at it, I don't think it's worth the money that they put the price tag on it, based yeah. on my experience. Um, however, at that time, I didn't care because it was like, hey, you know, it's it's it's. I was already doing it when I got into it anyway, so it was, to me it was a way of leveraging it out. Um, but but the, the, always the back thing in my mind is I wanted to teach. If I can teach that class, that'd be awesome, you know, because what, when you teach what happens, you, you expand your network, mm-hmm. right? 
and uh, and then you can you can possibly do more deals. And you know, as the years kept going on, we see these companies come in and these people like spending us crap load of money because we they talk to us like hey you know like you know i i've spent you know like twenty thousand on this program i haven't done a deal yet i see you guys doing deals any pointers for me and then the pointers that we gave them like they never once mentioned it to them in these programs and so marty and i took we say like you know what we need to do bro we need to start to to just create these videos as more of an insight for people to really see what it takes to flip these houses Mm mm-hmm like one thing is talking about it on paper and teaching it in class. However, what they don't talk about is that when things don't go the right way, I say, cause I can honestly say, I think collectively Marty and I have flipped over, you know, probably 320 properties since we both started mm-hmm. and maybe honestly six to 10 of them have gone perfectly without a hitch. Okay. Nice. Perfectly. And I said, the problem is, is that when they're teaching this concept, they're teaching them to be perfect. Yeah. I go, and the reality is, it's like it rarely goes perfect. There's always things that come up. And I said, wouldn't it be a good idea to just like next time we get a deal, let's document it from start to finish. And if, you know, like things that come up, how we dealt with them, if, uh, if you know, if we made money, this is how much. If we lost money, this is how much too because there's learning and failure as well. And and that's how that's how the past started. It started more as a as a tool to get people to really see like, look, guys, like uh, we'll throw tips in there. And then Marty took it a step further, where we said, well, let's uh, let's just put a video class together, you know. And the class, what that teaches, well, it's a video library, Chris. And what that teaches is 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 it, it, we don't teach you how to acquire creatively a deal what we teach you is how to analyze a deal because yeah. there's two mistakes two things really that keep people from doing this business number one is they don't know what deal if it was in their face they don't know how to analyze it to put to basically work the numbers to real to see if it's a deal or not and number two is the money how to raise capital right yeah because because you can you can take uh you know you know, a, a, a seminar company comes into town and they tell you, oh, I can show you how to acquire a property with no money out of your pocket. You know, and you know, you're dealing with a distressed homeowner. That doesn't work in every market. What does work in every market na- nationally is how to analyze a deal. Mm. That works because regardless, you still need to analyze the deal, determine whether it's a deal or not. What works nationally is how to determine a budget on what it's going to cost to fix this house up. And you guys go through on your videos on how to analyze a deal and break down the numbers. Yeah, we 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 show you how to break down the numbers. We show you how to roughly estimate rehab cost. Um, and you know, some videos are you know quick, three four minutes long. Some of them are. I think the longest video is analyzing because what Marty does is he basically uh, you know films himself on how he comps the property out, how he determines value on it before he. The offer in so it's a day in a life i mean marty can spend honestly like and this is what's not sexy about this business like three four hours a day three four days a week analyzing deals yeah you know just number crunching you know and 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 and, and so that's the mundane part of it that's not sexy you know it's just just the, it's the grind mm-hmm. and and that's what we teach we're like we're showing like this is the reality guys like yeah it's fan you know like yeah you could potentially make this kind of money however the the reality of you getting from from 
you know, zero to a million dollars in year one is it's it's possible, however, not probable. Yeah. Everyone everyone starts in a different point A. You got this person here who has resources, who has has context to money, and you have this person here who has no resources. Obviously, the person with the money or the contacts and resources is going to get to his goals faster than the other guy. But it doesn't mean, but the education is the same. Yeah, I'm learning how incredibly important that is, or should I say relearning, because we've had a couple people on the show recently. One girl has a pretty successful marketing and consulting business, and she takes every Saturday to run her numbers. That's She doesn't do any other work. She just runs her numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, when I skip a Saturday because of extra work or just you know going out of town, uh, my business goes off target. And and the, the numbers are lower because I didn't spend that Saturday running my finances. And even in real estate, I mean, you've got to have that down in real estate or mm-hmm. you're going to end up losing big time. Yeah. The market and the market's constantly changing. You know, like here, we do it in Phoenix and Milwaukee. Two completely different exit strategies. However, the acquisition strategy, which is analyzing the numbers, mm-hmm. the management of the rehab, uh, and the sales, I mean, the sales part is a little different in Milwaukee. However, those two those two areas and raising capital, those three areas are the same in here and in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. how to do those. The only thing that's different is the sales part because here we sell them to the retail buyer where in Milwaukee we're selling them to turnkey uh, rental investors. They want them for rentals. Right. However, the acquisition piece, the raising the capital piece and managing the rehab is the same nationwide. Yeah. That's the same. It's and so that's a business, and that's what these companies don't teach you. And so when we uh, we kind of I guess became kind of like advocates of like, hey, look, guys, like I think to do our to do our our, our little video program with a year of uh, it's a it's a Facebook a private Facebook page that you have access and ask questions to us is like four hundred ninety five bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like honestly, like you look at what's out there, like. And there's people that have taken our little videos and they're like, dude, your videos alone are probably worth about five, six, seven grand. Yeah. Like, I'm like that's how much information they got from them and they started putting to use. And, and I, we, you know, that's a great compliment for us. However, we never went with the intention of like, I'm going to sell this for like six, seven grand. That's not what we want to do. We just, we just kind of made it more of like, get people aware or like, look, guys, there's another alternative, there's another option. And, you know, if you're on the sidelines, look, waiting to get in, like, just watch our videos and look what we go through because, because it is work. Like I, I, it's not sexy. You know, they, they paint it out to be sexy. Look, in no time you'll be able to do in your first flip and you can, you know, you'll make 20, 30, 40,000 per house. Like, you know, the possibility of that happening is very possible. Like I said, however, the probability for somebody with no business acumen at all, it's, it's, it's far. You know what I mean? It's gonna be. Hard. It's not to say that it's not gonna happen for them. It's just gonna take them longer. Mm-hmm. And but if they're not geared for that process, what they're getting into, then they're they're immediately gonna just cash it in and be gone. Where we're hoping that our videos can capture that to say, look, guys, we're experienced and we lost on this one. Yeah, we're experienced and guess what? Like this one took a lot longer to do because we ran into this problem. So like, it happens to the best. You know, like, and we're here. And like, and that's what that's what our videos are really starting to intended for in the beginning is more more as a 
as an awareness video of like, here, here's things I can do. And of course, people love the transformation. They're like, oh my God, remember when you got that house? Oh, now look at it, it's so beautiful. And that those, those are compliments for us, you know? I think it's also important to, uh, to point out that those guys that are selling those seminars and, and making it sound sexy and amazing that you can do this and make uh, half a million dollars by Tuesday, it, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not entrepreneurs or salesmen. And, yeah. and that's what sales people do. And there's great salesmen and good salesmen and, and not so ethical ones. And they paint a picture to uh, enroll you into buying their product. And they're not necessarily the entrepreneur like you and Marty are out there kicking the dirt and running the numbers and finding the places and making things happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head there. They're salespeople. Where are you guys headed with Fix and Flip Hub in the next uh, five to ten years, Manny? You know, Fix and Flip Hub started to kind of morph into its thing where now I think for us, Fix and Flip Hub will be the platform where we can actually teach classes. Uh, I think our vision for it would be uh, – so. So, so get this, and this was this is what really kind of uh, solidified it for us that we're on the right track. So we just had a house in Phoenix that we picked up, right? And just based on our context, people who are following us on YouTube, the videos, and on our Facebook uh, pages, the videos there, we said, hey, we're, we just picked up this house. We're going to do a walkthrough on it to show you uh, what we're going to do to this house, what we estimate it's going to cost, and what uh, what we picked it up for, what we asked, how we picked it up for, uh, what we estimate it's going to cost, and we have some some renderings here of what it may look like. Mm-hmm. And I think it, like we we made the announcement, you know, it, in two weeks that you know, it was on Saturday. It was a two week uh, uh, ramp up, and forty people showed up. Mm-hmm. To this house the little house and we were like oh wow like we didn't realize we we're gonna have we were like man we can get you know 15 20 people and you know show them what we're gonna do well 40 people showed up and so there's definitely a demand for it like it, they and they all found value in it they they said this is the best thing anything's everybody's ever done because now we get to see it touch it and really get an idea of what the house looked like and then how you came across it and what why you guys bought it and we, we shared all that. And so we say, like, man, I, go, I think the vision here would be to definitely, like, hey, guys, you guys can learn how to do this. Like, we do exactly the way we do it. You just buy our videos, you know, and then maybe, you know, quarterly we're going to we're gonna have, like, a like a seminar, like, for those people that are involved already and teach them tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, for those that are involved, like, do, like, now, you know, you got Facebook with this live live uh, app on there that you can do like hey we're gonna go to this property and uh and do a live walkthrough on it for our followers so they can see the process and and ultimately i'd like to uh you know be a, a like a coaching some type create a coaching program for those people who want to really take it to another level you know like when they want to scale it up um, you know go ahead yeah so that's kind of like the vision where we're like we're we're I want to be able to put myself where like I'm coaching people because I love it and I'm passionate about it, and uh, you know all, all my other income uh, goals have been met already. And then I wait now it's like I don't like fix and flip hub. I'm not depending on that to make a living. It's just more for fun at that point. Yeah, and giving back too. It sounds like exactly. 
in in many what I, I was thinking when you were running through that and talking about your live uh, Facebook live videos, it would be really cool. I don't know if you've ever seen the virtual reality goggles, but if you could put on your virtual reality goggles and do a walkthrough of the home and then the pricing structure and what you have to do to, to, to fix and flip it, that would be something that, that I think would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's technology. Technology is happening so fast. Like, you know, it's just us get you know, who knows how that's going to look like as, as we succeed in this more, we may have to take some type of partner that can deal with that part of the social media. I, you know, we don't know. That's not Marty's and I's expertise. Our expertise is in fixing and flipping homes. Um, but I think this, you know, this, this event we did a couple of weeks ago really opened our eyes like, man, this thing has a potential of really blowing up. You know, we're on something here. And so I, I say fix and flip hub part, you know, the, the social media and the, the education part is at its infant stages right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, my friend, we're going to have to wrap up there. But uh, do you want to inform the listeners where they can get a hold of you at or find you guys at if they want to reach out? Sure. Uh, you know, a couple places you can go on our on our website, which is fixandflip.hub.com, and on Facebook, uh, you can also go to our page, uh, Fix and Flip Hub. It's on there, and um, yeah, pretty much all our contact information is on those two. You can reach us on Facebook or go straight to the website. Perfect, and we'll we'll put those links in the show notes and um, any honorable mentions that we talked about throughout the show. Manny, buddy, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with myself and the listeners. And thanks for being a good friend, bud. And let's chat soon and stay in contact. And all the best. Sounds good. It was my pleasure, my friend. Take care. Bye, listeners. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world